0: And around it, I've put a few verses, I hope they're not too small to read, uh, which were quoted to us this morning, by our speaker this morning. Um, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's Philippians 3, which, uh, which John started with this morning, knowing Christ. Uh, Ephesians, which we were studying this morning. Uh, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you to. And then we sang uh, that song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Well, fine words to sing. uh, But God is essentially at the core of his nature and his character, God is holy. If there was one defining characteristic of God, well, you'd be pushed if you had to choose one. One is his love, and another is his holiness. So that book there looks a little bit like the front cover of the Blue Bibles, doesn't it? Where it says Holy Bible on the front. God and all that he is and all that he does is is holy. And that book is entitled The Knowledge of the Holy. Knowing God is an extraordinary thing to even imagine that as people we might be capable of, of doing. Knowing God is not, of course, is not the same as knowing about God. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, I know about Queen Elizabeth II, but I don't know her. If you mentioned my name to her, she would say, who? What? Now that's actually true about a number of people who know an awful lot about God. If you mentioned their name to him, he might say, I don't really know them. I don't know them. Knowing God is very different to knowing about God. But this book describes God very well and I'd recommend it to you. These two attributes of God, his holiness and his love, are two things that I just want to consider for a while this evening, just bring together in your mind. Nothing about God can be properly understood by a human mind uh, or properly adequately expressed in human words. God is incomprehensible to us and we, we paddle in the shallows of a, a vast ocean when we start to consider God and, and think what he is like. He's unlike everything in our experience. Everything we know is limited, is finite. God is infinite. Everything we know has a beginning and an end. God has nothing, no beginning or end. Everything we know is, is limited. God is unlimited in, in everything that he is. He's uncreated. He's self-sufficient. He has power that is so immense that he uh, he could create the universe and his power was not diminished in any way because it's infinite. God's beyond the power of human thought to conceive. But when we approach God, the first thing we find about him and begin to know him, the first thing we must know is that he is holy. Now, ho- holy, means, holy means right. It means pure. We have this idea of wholeness, meaning healthy uh, or well. And, and that's part of the meaning as well. God's holiness is awe-inspiring. Now, have I got to turn this thing on, Colin? i Have got to turn it on? Yes. You can I turn it on? There's a little buzz there. I'm going to move forward. Whenever in the Bible you see Uh, or you read of people seeing God and trying to describe God you get this sense of of their powers of description being overwhelmed and their powers of comprehension being overwhelmed and of them falling to the floor and of them being overwhelmed by God's holiness. So Isaiah 6, for instance, Isaiah says I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were angels seraphim with six wings two wings they covered their faces and two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and at the sound of their voices the doorposts and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke and this is his reaction woe to me i cried i am ruined for i I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So there's this impending sense of doom. God is holy, I am not holy. Woe to me, I'm ruined. But then one of the angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And so God, there's this coal that comes from the altar and it changes things, God changes things. God brings some purity to this man so that he can serve God. And this idea of fire, we, we come across a lot when we read about God's holiness. So we read uh, Moses in the burning bush, you know, when he approached God and he was told, do not come any closer, take off your sandals, for even the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then uh, in Revelation, when John sees God, uh, his, he says, sees Christ, he says, his face was like the sun shining at its brightest. When I saw him, I fell at his feet. As though dead. There you see that, that same reaction again. And then the book of Hebrews says, Worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And uh, Revelation 4, the vision of four living creatures, day and night, never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is. To come. God's holiness is, is right through the scriptures from beginning to end. And it's the first thing that we find when we come to God. He is unsurpassably, unimaginably, pure and right and holy. And, and he doesn't conform to some kind of standard. He is the standard. Holy is the way that God is. He's absolutely holy with an incomprehensible fullness, Of purity and he is incapable of being anything other than holy anything less than the perfection that he is and God has created this universe in such a way that holiness is necessary to its its health and sin's presence in this universe just highlights that and whatever is holy is healthy and whatever is unholy has a moral sickness and must ultimately die. God is holy in all that he is and in all that he does and if we are going to have anything to do with him our unholiness has to be cured and has to be changed. And yet alongside that fact, that isolation that that God's holiness brings, we have this truth revealed right through the scriptures alongside God's holiness that God is love God's love again is unlike any human love it's not what we would feel between ourselves necessarily although a a bit of it is mirrored in our hearts and is is poured out into our hearts as, as Steve read in Romans God's love that word Greek word agape used for love is a love that is not caused by anything uncaused love Just as God has no first cause, he is the first cause. God's love is not caused by me being lovely or you being lovely. You having any feature in you which God loves, but God loves you because he loves you. It doesn't depend upon you. It's uncaused, it's undeserved, but it's true and it's infinite and it's unending as God is true and infinite and unending. God's nature is the reason that we are loved. We, we will always fail, I think, to grasp the intensity and the eternity of the love of God, which would grasp hold of you and never let you go. From God's attributes, which we cannot comprehend, well, we, we can learn of his love. This is, this is something that uh, Paul writes a little later in Ephesians. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and high, long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. Here's that word about knowing again. We started off with knowledge of the holy, didn't we? I want to know Christ. To know his love, this love, that surpasses knowledge, which is a contradiction, isn't it? It's a total contradiction in there. To begin to know, to start to know, to be filled, with a knowledge of this love, which we will never exhaust, which we will never get to the end of. We might think of it as being like seeing the tip of an iceberg and and there being so much below the surface, but God's love is like an ocean that extends in all directions forever. And that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know God's love, we can learn a lot about it. Some more words up here. Go back a minute. God's love and God's holiness create a conflict because God loves you and me infinitely but God is infinitely holy and our sin drives a wedge right into the heart of God between his holiness and his love for us. Therefore, Jesus Christ was born into this world. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so the New Testament is is the whole story of God's love in action. It's the nature of love that it can't sit by and do nothing. God loved us too much to do nothing about the problem. Sin was the problem and sin is, is, is often preached on as being our problem. And boy, it is our problem. It, we made it, we created it, we did it, we made the problem and it will lead to our, un, if it's uncured, will lead to our destruction. Yes, sin is our problem, but God chose in his love to see our sin as his problem because in God's heart he suffers as a result of our sin and he chose to make it his problem. And those words of Isaiah, who will we send and who will go for us, those really have often been understood as as God's words. Who will we send? What will we do about this? Who will go for us? And the answer came from God himself in Jesus Christ, here am I, send me. So that's what Steve read. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And of course, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is the motivation for Christ being born into this world. Love reaches out. God's love reached out. Love makes itself vulnerable. Which means that sometimes to love is to get hurt. In human things, you might know that this is true. Love makes us vulnerable to the pain of betrayal and the pain of rejection and the pain of having hopes and dreams which are dashed and destroyed. If you reach out to somebody and you offer them your love and they reject it or they take it for a while and then they cast it aside, it's very, very painful, even in human things. If you are to give your love to someone, you are making yourself vulnerable to that person and you are entrusting yourself to them and we know that in human things very often that ends up in a broken heart it ends up in in great sadness and great pain but what about god god vulnerable to pain to being hurt well god in christ was now that this is something that you know uh, certain religions who view of God as as ultimately all-powerful would refuse to accept that God could ever be vulnerable, that God could ever be weak, that God could ever open himself to humanity. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God of love. And the pain was all his when Christ came into the world. Infinite love was shown to to you and me and, and all of this world by God in Christ and that love was rejected utterly because they took him and they nailed him to a cross and they drove nails into his hands and those nails went into the heart of God. Christ suffered being despised and rejected by men and then and then Christ was punished at the hand of God my God my God why have you forsaken me because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all in other words God's holiness his righteous wrath and anger against sin was poured out on Christ on the cross And so he suffered the pain and the punishment due to God's holiness. And he suffered the sorrow and the sadness because of the love that he had for mankind. All of the pain from both of those infinite divine attributes was his on the cross. And in dying he reconciled those things. No wonder he could say, come and see if ever there was any sorrow like unto my sorrow. You know the words, don't you? Because there never was any sorrow like that. There was never any love so great, there was never any holiness so pure that met together in the cross. So there's a There's a favourite verse of mine in the Bible, it's in a psalm. There it is, Psalm 85 verse 10. Where it simply says this, it says, Love and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. On the cross, God's love met with the truth. And the truth was that we were sinful, that mankind could do nothing and that sin had to be punished. And that's gods the result of God's holiness. That's the truth of God's holiness. Love and truth met together. And righteousness, God's righteousness, and peace, our peace, kissed each other. And they were reconciled in the cross of Christ. And out of that horror that suffering beyond comprehension, God worked salvation for mankind. Holiness and love were reconciled. Our problem of sin was solved. Now God asks us each for a response to that because to know that is, in your head is one thing, but to know it in your heart, to really truly know it, is something else. To respond to it is something else. God asks us for a response to that. Forgiveness is offered to you freely, lovingly, vulnerably. You have a perfect right to reject what God offers you. You can do that. You must decide what you will do with Jesus Christ. What will you do with what God has done for you? And what he offers you and it's your responsibility to choose no one can make you be a Christian no one can make that choice for you God offers himself to you and you must choose what you will do with him and that's what's called salvation that's what's called becoming a Christian is responding to the love of God, in Christ, dying for you, for your sin, upon the cross. And if you accept, then God places within you a new heart. What was it? Oh, I need to find. I need to find Romans eight. Oh, there it is. And reread what Steve read. It says um, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has given us his Holy Spirit if we are his. And not just given, but poured it out. And through that poured his love into our hearts because when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So, poured out, or another version says, shed abroad in our hearts. I like that, to sort of shed abroad, as if it's not just poured in, but it should be flowing out as well. Now that is what confers in our hearts the truth, the integrity of this whole venture, this whole concept of our salvation, is that we have the Holy Spirit within us and the love of God poured into us and, and pouring out of us as well. I wonder if you have ever been hurt in the church um, by maybe by other Christians. If you haven't then you have probably never loved. If you love other people, if you love Christ, if you love the work of Christ and you love the honour of his name, you're vulnerable like he was vulnerable to be hurt and you probably will have been hurt and not just by the world outside but the wound that you receive in the house of your friends is far more painful and there are times when we as Christians are hurt by one another sometimes it's unavoidable and all too often it's very avoidable When that happens, we need to remember that we are walking in the footsteps of Christ and we need to remember what his response was. I want to know Christ. We've seen seen this several times today. To know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. There it is. The participation in his sufferings. If you love him... If the love of God is in you you will participate in his sufferings and through that somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead when you are hurt for the sake of Christ you're walking in his footsteps and to walk in his footsteps properly means to be infinitely loving and infinitely forgiving to the person that has hurt you and to be willing even to die For that person, despite what they have done to you, that is the love of a Christian. That is the hallmark of a Christian. And that is why we as a church should love one another with a boundless love. Because God has poured that love into our hearts. That's how we should respond to others with more love and more love. With infinite love. And that is how we will truly come to know him. Is if we know his sufferings. To know Christ in the end means to know his sufferings. And so somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead, there will be a day when we will know him in a way that we will never know him on this earth, when we're with him in heaven. Uh, Here's a verse from an old, old hymn that I just wanted to finish by showing you, which says it, to me. Uh, It's deep inside me somewhere from years and years ago, this hymn. And uh, the last verse um, speaks of of the day when we will be with Christ. And it says, He who in his hour of sorrow bore uh, the curse alone, and I who through the lonely desert trod where he had gone. And it says that in that bright glory, we will share one Deep joy. Uh, John Lewis looked at this a bit this morning, didn't he, in in Ephesians. He said there was a debate about what what is the joy that's spoken of there. Is it it his joy or is it our joy? It's the same joy. It's the same joy. His joy is our joy. The joy that was set before him. For which he endured the cross. The, The fact that we will be together. That we will be reconciled. In Christ. So, let's finish with uh, a hymn, a song, an old one, about the love of God, shall we? Uh, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. This is a, this is a great old song uh, with a fine story behind it. There's some debate about who's going to play the music, is there? Oh, doing it together. Excellent. Uh, it's not in the hymn books, but it's on the screen. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell.